Welcome everybody to Draft Politics. It's EJ. We're here at a bar again, and with me, it's Steve. Yes, we're uh, braving the outside world again. The Delta variant is raging, but uh, at least not as much here. And we're outside, and we're vaccinated. So there you go. So there you go. Um, first, I want to kind of start off. We're uh, we're at Empirical Brewery today. Again, lovely place. We've been here before, but outside for the first time. They've got a little patio area right on Ravenswood Ave. So it'll probably be the loudest podcast we've ever done. We're by two trains. Um, yes. But ZZ Top is playing right now on the radio. So I'm going to do sort of a shout-out and a toast to uh, Dusty Hill, bassist for ZZ Top, who passed away this week. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, it's a tough one. It's been yes. a tough tough week for music, if you're a music fan. Uh, yeah. But there we go. ZZ Top. Here's to Dusty. Cheers to you, Dusty. Cheers to Dusty. So what are you drinking today? That looks I am drinking tasty. the Nine Lives Mark One, which I assume there will be a Mark Two and Three and Four eventually, but it is a dry hop lager. And uh, while I am not a fan of hops that make things bitter, I am perfectly fine with them being like added at the end to give right. them flavor and uh, so this is actually quite tasty. I'm, I'm uh, it, very it looks pretty choice. good. That's I think that's gonna be my second beer. That looks yeah. That I looks think it's very right nice. up your alley. Yeah, yeah. I, I went for the Proton No Coast IPA, which always looks great to me. And it's it's good. It's good, but it's not great. I can't it's a little maltier than I like, but it's still pretty good. So maybe what we'll do is we will swap beers. I mean okay. not literally swap yeah, beers. Yeah, good, right, of course. Pandemic, not. But yeah, exactly. uh, and see how that goes. Because I like an IPA that's more on the malty side. Well, like is a strong word, but right. <laughs> I can drink them. Yeah, I'm still drinking it. Don't don't get me wrong. If anybody's yes. worried out there, it's don't still worry. quite good. I, EJ I, will know, be okay. Yeah, Empirical is is all right. Jeez. Yes. EJ will be okay. Don't worry about me the way you worried about Bob Odenkirk yesterday, who's also right? going to be okay. Right? A friend of mine posted he was worried about Bob, but then we have a mutual friend who is Bob, and I was like, what happened to Bob? And then I realized it was Bob Odenkirk. I'm like... Well, that's also bad, but it's not the guy we know, so right. it's slightly less bad. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to write a browser extension here that will, on Twitter, will look at the little what's trending and will give you some indication on why you should care or not. Because every time I see a name over there, it's like, well, well, is, is they, this bad? Good? Yeah. Good? Bad? So, just, like a, just like a green light, red light. Yeah. All that, all that. I just don't want that. Yeah, don't want that. Follow Odenkirk, good. Oh, bad. Yeah. Wait. I mean, it was it Olympics. was bad. It was a, it was good. a roller coaster. Bad. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. But he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. Also, better call Saul. AMC next spring. So national segment. We're gonna do something. We're gonna be a little brief for this time, right? We're gonna yeah, kind of focus on a, a little few later topics. than we usually do. So yeah. we're not gonna go quite as long. Watch us now record a two-hour podcast. Yeah. But you know, no. once the beers start flowing. Lord knows. Yeah, exactly. But I also think, you know, one of the things that I've, I've kind of reflected on is how we try to cover a lot of content and a lot of news and things like that. When I think all of the person listening to us is probably up on the news. Right. So, right. you know, you're already high education. You're here for the banter and the beer. Let's focus yes. on a and, couple and specific things. And our insights on, on Norway. On right. Norway. So, yes. I, and I realize Norway. I've switched. I've switched from talking about uh, rate us on iTunes to just simply talking about our Norway audience. Like that's right. my Ex now. Exactly. So Norway, rate us on iTunes. So I think two big things out of the national front this yes. week. 
Um, the one is uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Well, let's be clear. It is not yet a bill. It is it's a, a it, it is a it is a bipartisan infrastructure framework that has passed, or BIF. I don't know why it's called the BIF. BIF. Well, I know it's called BIF because it's bipartisan infrastructure framework. But uh, it's not really. It's it's sort of a bill. It's it's a broad outline, some understandings. Yeah. But it's not like specific like bill language yet. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's got to be all that's yeah. got to so, be like, worked out. Nothing's really passed. We but, just. Yeah, but but, but, but there's a good signs. There's good signs here. Uh, yeah, I mean the the idea that there was a vote in the Senate that received 67 votes that wasn't something that didn't matter. So this matters, and there were 67 votes. I think I'm still more skeptical than you are about this, but we'll we'll see what happens. We'll I don't see what happens. I, look. Mitch McConnell voted for it. Like, I feel like Lucy is just coming up, placing the ball nicely on the tee. Oh, yeah, no. I'm totally on board with this, guys. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then no. and then Lucy's going to make I, that to I think it's going to happen. Okay. I think it's going to happen. We'll find out. Look, it's not the it's not the huge $2.5 trillion. It's not even the $1.4 trillion that we, we talked about a few weeks ago. It's, you know, it's a nice round trill. Well, and to be clear, it's only, it's most of that, or about half of that money comes from new money coming in, or like new spending. The rest of it comes from money that already was out there. And they're pulling in the extra money from uh, corporate user fees, which I don't really know what that is exactly. Uh, And also tax enforcement on crypto, which I find kind of entertaining because... Yes, you could do tax enforcement on, you know, wealthy people with, you know, huge tax havens and go after corporations that are putting all their money in the Caymans and all that. But no, no, we're going to go after crypto, which granted, I think very little of crypto to begin with, but it's not really the same. I don't think the scale of that is quite the same, but, you know, hey, the money's there. Great. Let's go uh, get yeah, it. Yeah. Dogecoin, man. Come on. Dogecoin. <laughs> I mean, it's really I, I, I saw that as a pretty interesting thing as well, like. Hey, you've got some very clear kind of low-hanging fruit here. The crypto seems harder to deal with. Yes. Yes. Like, because, and let's just string together all the crypto words we need. You know, if I'm, if I'm exchanging through my wallet into a mixer, into another wallet, like, and then into another exchange, they're not going to know where I'm from. How are they going to tax that? I've got the mixer. I don't know what any of that means. Yes. But probably Dogecoin. There was an excellent uh, article by Bruce Schneier about uh, crypto and uh, – well, good. The ambulance is covering my brain fart. Go, ambulance. Crypto and ransomware. Yes, it was a great article about crypto and ransomware. But it talked a lot about like what they do with crypto to hide transactions yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So you read that article, you'll know. Yeah. I, and I did read a lot of that article. But anyway. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you can still trace it down. Yes. Um, it's something that I think actually everybody should spend some time learning about because it's not going away. Yes. Even Learn if it's about for it and be like, wow, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And you're right. And you're right. <laughs> I, this is not a thing. Again, hashtag Dogecoin. I own a whole bunch of Dogecoin, by the way. Love it. Okay. I love the Dogecoin. Okay. I've got some Ethereum. 
Anyway. Anyway. I do not own any cryptocurrency. Ah, Got to do it. So, <laughs> so yes, it's $550 billion in new money. And we can joke all we want, you know, like... $550 billion is a lot of money. Yes. And we talked about this before. That is more in today's dollars than the entire interstate highway system cost to build. Right. Yep. But not everything made it in, right? So um, one of the things I would recommend to people is go to the Upshot blog on the New York Times. Um, they've got a really, really sweet graphic that shows sort of the original $2.6 billion um, in new spending and, you know, what it kind of ended up as. And you can see the sectors and the areas where, you know, the new spending doesn't happen. So, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot of money for R&D and manufacturing. That has been cut to, let me just see here, zero. Uh, you know, some of that kind of human infrastructure, some of the training, you know, and, and it really got focused on, I guess, more traditional infrastructure. Hard infrastructure, things. maybe. Yeah. Call it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we got $110 billion for roads, $40 billion for bridges, $66 billion for Joe Biden's favorite thing, rail. Uh, we got $39 billion for public transit, uh, and particularly improving uh, disabled access to public transit. Which is great. Uh, $55 billion for clean water, so getting that lead out of your water, because it does not belong there. $65 billion for broadband. Uh, Which is hugely billion. important. Yes. Right? It's yes, hugely absolutely. important to improve that in infrastructure throughout the country yeah. in underserved areas, both rural and you know, disinvested urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, you think about it like those are areas where if you have that access and it's affordable, that's giving you, you know, access to an economy that you can't get to right now. And yes, so that's, I think that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Uh, $46 billion for drought and wildfire preparedness because climate change and $7.5 billion for electric vehicle chargers because climate change. You know, one of the things that I, I actually think is really important to kind of call out there is that this whole, you know, sort of area of resiliency, you know, so helping to deal with wildfires, dealing with water storage and those sorts of things, like that didn't shrink at all. Yeah. So that that was something that got untouched in the negotiations, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, through all the rancor, that's a that's a, a nod to the fact that this is a problem for everybody. Yes. doesn't matter where you are, who you are. Like, wildfires and climate change contributing to our ability to just keep doing the things that we're doing is yes. a thing. And everybody seems to agree. Or at least the 67 senators who are uh, down with the biff. About this framework that might eventually become an actual bill. Down with the biff. That's what we're going to say. We Reconnecting communities, however, got really... Yes. And, yes. and that was actually another interesting thing that, that I found. So in the hard infrastructure, you know, there was a real bent towards, you know, what I think would say, you know, be more progressive or social justice views on those and like the reconnecting communities. And so this is, you know, taking a community and splitting it with infrastructure in the past, trying to bring them back together. Yeah. So, you know, in South Bend, you know, we're, you know, 
built rail lines between the white communities and the black communities. Um, and you saw that actually all over the country with big infrastructure projects and sort of saying, okay, we're going to try to fix that now. And Yeah, I mean, if you look at our, our highway system, I mean, there were whole neighborhoods that were segregated literally physically by the expressways being built through there at a lower cost, but but nonetheless. Uh, it's true. Built. Uh, it's yeah, true. so that's that's the infrastructure bill. So a, a hopefully a step in the right direction we will ultimately see in the long run. Um, the reconciliation part of the bill, which would be the... Well, that's a separate bill. Yes. That's a separate thing. Well, yeah, sorry. That's a, Well, the other, yes, yes. One's the American Jobs Plan. The other's the American Families or American Family Insurance. I don't know. Really Whatever. not some great, not great branding. They're two different bills. Not quite bills yet. Connected, but not connected. Right. One has passed something. The other one is still not passed anything quite yet. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So ish, I mean, again, because I think the House bill has passed. Yes, I think it it is time to get to our uh, new ongoing segment. Segment uh, for sake, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema. For sake. Um, And this time, we're going to the movies. Cinema. Ah, I see what you did there. (laughs) Cinema. We're going to the movies. Like what? What does that have to do with He's film? looking at me like, nobody's going to the movies? <laughs> Haven't you seen any of the COVID numbers? I'm not going to the movies. <laughs> I did go to a movie, like, a couple weeks ago. I went to see Black Widow. And, and I have to say, uh, eh. <laughs> So two things I'll say about that. I went and saw In the Heights a few weeks ago. I thought it was fine. It was I, good. I watched it on HBO. Yeah, yeah. It was good. And uh, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney for releasing Black Widow simultaneously on Disney Plus. I guess she's got some like revenue deal if Yeah, they, skin yeah, in the game. Yeah. Skin in the game. Interesting. But okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Dune in the theater with a mask on for that whole still suit uh, immersive <laughs> experience. Yes, I, I would actually just recommend get a still suit. That is yeah. really the way to go there, people. Uh, so anyhow, that concludes our new cinema segment. <laughs> but let's get back to our cinema segment. Uh so cinema has come out against the scale of the reconciliation bill, uh, which is currently clocked in at $3.5 trillion. Some, some big numbers. So uh, I, I don't think that uh, Manchin's on board with this at this point either, but uh, she's the one who's sort of come out most vocally against it. Who knows what's going to happen? She may eventually say, I'm okay with it. She may need it to be... Oh, well, 3.1 trillion's fine, but 3.5 trillion's not. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, she likes the spotlight. She wants the spotlight. I, I think she does. You know, I think she likes the spotlight. She recognizes that she has some leverage right now. You know, just the way Joe Manchin does. I I mean, I think she's taken a page from Joe Manchin's playbook. I don't know what the trade-offs there are for her though. Again, this was the conversation we had the other day like other day you know does she think that you know this sort of opposition plays well for some constituency inside of arizona is that the is that the play Um, i know it's it's everybody just like i understand uh, mansion a little bit more just because like i know like all right he's in a pretty red state and arizona is certainly has its reddishness it is more purple at this point yeah and so and and ultimately like if she can just get, you know, the, the Biden supporters to come out and vote for her, she'd be fine. But, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how her primary goes. Yeah, exactly. That. So exactly. I'm already getting ready to talk about that one a lot, but not today. Yeah. Not today. Yeah. Hey, I, I do want to kind of call one other thing out about just how this is progressing at all. So some underlying factor we need to recognize is that you know that Donald Trump is on the phone as much as he knows how to use a phone to all of the Republican senators. So here's the other thing hang to on, just hang on. think I'm, about. I, you just lost me in a visual of like him, like with the with the phone, with like one of the, like the windy cords from like back in the day, just kind of all like tangled up in it, like calling people on the phone. Oh, I was thinking more laying on his bed, on his stomach, with his feet, you know, kind of his legs bent at the knees. Okay. Kinda, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Twirling his hair, you know, just calling you guys up, making sure you don't vote for this, because. You know, the reality is any win for Joe Biden is a big F you to Donald Trump. Well, and I think at this point it's like he just wants to piss in everybody's punch bowl. He wants the focus to be on him and he doesn't really care. Right. It's like he wants, you know, so if McConnell, McConnell having a lose is just as good as Biden having a lose. It'd be loss. I don't know why I would lose, but you know what I mean. Maybe. 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 But again, again, <laughs> the other reason that I think it's still notable that. 17 Republican senators voted for the infrastructure bill. Yeah. Yeah. Did Donald Trump have an infrastructure bill? No. And that's the thing. He cut taxes. That's that's like infrastructure, but, isn't it? But he said he was going to do it, and he never did it. And so anytime, remember, it's all about him. Right. So anything that looks like a win for somebody, especially when he wasn't able to do it, yes, is just going to... Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, that's that's uh, the bipartisan infrastructure framework. Uh, Speaking I of things that are slightly less bipartisan. Well, I was going to say we need more beer. We do. So Pause. I'm going to go get us more beer. We'll get it. Welcome back to the world's loudest podcast. Brought to you by Metra. Metra. Because Biden's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Get where you're going. Have you ever noticed that the windows on the Metra look like Roy Orbison's sunglasses? No. No, I have not. Anyway, we've got more <laughs> beer, which is great. Uh, and we have switched. Uh, we have switched beers yes we flipped them so now i'm having the proton is that it, it is it's yes. the proton yes i should check that in uh and and it is a little a little hoppier than i like but is better than your average ipa my my subtle taste buds and i've got this nine lives mark one and it is really really nice like this is it's almost not warm enough out for this i i just want to sit I want to be drinking this on a deck, it's, but it's really good. It's really, really good. I, I really dig Pilsners anyway, and that little bit of hops, not making it better, bitter, makes it better. That's right. Good call, EJ. There you go. Okay. Okay, hops, hops board. You can use that one. <laughs> so let's talk about the other sort of big thing in Congress this week. Yes. Which was more serious than hops. The... The, the first hearing in the 9 or 9-11, the, the January 6th select committee in the House. Yes. And obviously, 
lots of very silly drama leading up to this yes. in terms of is it going to be you know the original proposal was a 9/11 style commission which is completely independent doesn't have any currently sitting politicians would be the standard you know like a nonpartisan a nonpartisan commission that Republicans said no we don't want that right where they you know they could have picked their own people it would have been great then there was another proposal for something that was more bipartisan that was like you can pick your own people and the Republicans said no to that so then there this was the third the select committee was the third proposal and the Republicans like ah well we're not going to vote for it but we'll put people on it but didn't read the fine print where it said Nancy Pelosi gets to choose to reject if you choose people that shouldn't be on the committee. Right. Which, of course, you know, they did. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it, it's unusual to put people on a committee who might be investigated by the committee. So that's why they weren't allowed to be on or, there. Or at least a witness. Yeah. Right. I mean, Jim Jordan. Well, I mean, technically, they're all witnesses. So I don't think that's so that's issue, actually but. also the very interesting part. Right. Yeah. But it could be called to the stand. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, Jim Jordan evidently had conversations with the orange one on the day. Yeah. Right. And what one of the things that they're going to try to do is reconstruct the day in that first set of testimony by the Capitol Police. Put that. You know, it, it sets the tone for the rest of this. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know how much you watched or how much you were able to watch. I caught some highlights of it. Um, the, the the clips of the testimony by the police. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty emotional stuff. Um, I'm not going to, you know what, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to quote all this stuff here because I think it is better heard. Yeah. What I may do is actually clip that into this podcast just so you can hear it briefly. And then, and then we can kind of keep going from there. So yeah, that's, a, that's a great idea. Insert I, clip here. When I was 25 years old, and then a sergeant in the Army, I had deployed to Iraq, Operation Iraqi Freedom. From time to time, I volunteered to travel on, on IED-infested roads. But on January 6th, for the first time, I was more afraid to work at the Capitol than my entire deployment to Iraq. I was grabbed beaten, tased, all while being called a traitor to my country. I was at risk of being stripped of and killed with my own firearm as I heard chants of killing with his own gun. To my perpetual confusion, I saw the thin blue line flag, a symbol of support for law enforcement more than once, being carried by the terrorists as they ignored our commands and continued to assault us. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo. No one had ever, ever called me a while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. More than six months later, January 6th still isn't over for me. I, I was like, well, I'm going to watch some highlights. And I couldn't turn away. Like, I, I ended up watching not quite all of it, but most of it, uh, all but the last 20 minutes or less. I mean, I was like, I, it, was, it was so riveting and terrifying and, and brought you in and 
you know, to get the mindset of these these guys who are out there, like they don't know what's going on, right? Like, right. Like, you could also tell that like they're angry and confused and still dealing with it. Um, what I found interesting about this is that you know the day that it happened, it was pretty stunning to watch it. And then it was like, and then it kind of fades, right? You kind of like, okay, that happened. You kind of get used to it. It falls in the memory hole a little bit. And then they released the videos of, like, what was going on in the Capitol. And it was like, all oh, once again, like, this is very stunning. Like, this really happened. And it starts fading again a little bit. And then this testimony just brings it all back up again. And it's like, it's just gross. I don't really know how to describe it. That like, And, and what I... What I love is the irony that these are the kinds of people who be going chanting "Blue Lives Matter," yeah. and he's like, "Ah, oh, Blue Lives Matter," until there's a black man there, and then suddenly his blue life doesn't matter so much, and his black life doesn't. Yeah, it it has been, uh, I want to say surprising, but just really telling that, like the Fraternal Order of Police has not sort of jumped up and started like, you know, well, wasn't one of their like, it wasn't the. There was, like, one police group, I don't remember who they were, who were, like, you know, railing against the 1-6 commission. Like, they're like... Yeah. Yeah. It was like... Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I, it's, like, it's like agreeing with Adam Kinzinger, right? Who is, by all accounts, not a great dude, right? But Representative Kinzinger from Illinois is on the commission, yeah. or on the select committee, rather... Because ah, there was some free space. <laughs> so, you know, he got teary during the yeah. at the end of yeah. the testimony. And, of course, you know, I want to just believe it's genuine. Well, you know, I, I, I feel like it's one of those things where I look at it and it's like if we had a Republican Party that was made up of people like Kinzinger, um, people like Cheney. They, we wouldn't like them. We wouldn't like their policies. But we could at least probably have reasonable conversations yeah. about it. We could have disagreements about Meyer it. Instead in, of it in all Michigan. just devolving into this, like, Trump cult craziness uh, that we have now. Yeah. You know, it's like, and so it's that we have one party that's so deep down that rabbit hole, it's very hard to do anything constructive for the country, no matter how you feel like it should be done. Right. Right. It is. Yeah. It was it was troubling to see, not just people boycotting it, but of course, you know, Republican leadership had to try to undermine it right beforehand. Oh yeah. And then maybe the only positive feelings I had that whole day was watching Matt Gates and Taylor Green get protested off of their news conference yeah like if you saw that i mean it was it was a joy to watch it was some great signs about matt gates being a rapist really really nice <laughs> like and just nobody was doing anything that aggressive certainly not violent yeah and just yeah they had to go away yeah excellent yes well done thank well done. you thank you protesters that is that is the work so I'll be really interested a, to see how this continues on. Just a real quick technical note is it is getting a little windy here, so hopefully that's not picking up too much on the mics. But if it does, uh, there's not much you can do about it. So, you know, have a beer. Have Relax. a beer. So, so 
the reason we insisted on being outside and not at Lollapalooza is Delta variant. Oh man! Uh, so you know, you, I'm sure all of you've been keeping up on this because how can you not right now? But uh, the most recent news is that uh, well, so the CDC changed the mask guidance um, to reflect the risks of Delta. So now they're saying that if you're in a area that has either a high or a substantial level of COVID spread that you should be masking up even if you're vaccinated when indoors in a public place. Right. Because, and I think a big piece of Yes, this is the critical reason why they changed it. Uh, originally, COVID was not seen to be spreading amongst the vaccinated who occasionally did get a breakthrough. But with Delta, they do see evidence that it is spreading from those people who do get it. So once again, if you are vaccinated, you should be fine. You might have more. You might have symptoms. They're very much going to be more mild symptoms. Uh, you're very unlikely to die from it compared to somebody who does not have the vaccine. But all the same, if you don't want COVID, now's a good time to be masking up. Um, we are outside. We are not masked up. There's a good strong breeze here. Yeah. As we said, it's very windy. Uh, yeah. So so you know, fine. Um, but like I'm at this point not going into restaurants indoors um you know if i go into the grocery store whatever i'm masking up um i'd also say if you are masking up uh you should get a kn95 or an n95 style mask um because they're much more effective than cloth masks um and so that that will protect you as well as anybody else around you so and and i've got to say that like i don't I don't, in general, have a problem with the guidance changing. And I know it's hard, and I'm, you know, the the difficulty in trying to change the message is a problem I don't, I'm, I'm glad I don't have yeah. to deal with. I What I don't like is the things like, words like substantial or high. The problem with the whole thing the whole problem is that humans can't estimate risk. Yes. So the same <laughs> risk that oh people... Boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, the same reason that people don't think they need vaccinations... Joe Biden. Yeah. Anyhow. So the, the reason why people are thinking maybe they don't need to get vaccinated anyway is because they don't have a good sense of what the real risk is. And so if you combine that with sort of somewhat vague suggestions about what it means, like not everybody has access to the same information. You know, people define substantial differently. You know, Well, yeah, like I saw um, a news article where we were talking about substantial. Well, substantial is actually the highest level. High, or no, substantial is the medium level. See, this is what's so confusing. High is the worst. So high is what you don't want, unless you're going to certain stores in, in the Chicago right, area. Right. Uh, uh, but substantial is not quite as bad as high, but you also don't want substantial, because you should also be wearing a mask for them. It's... Do you remember when they had the terrorist threat Yeah, you level? know what? You know, and what? it was seventeen shades. As of much orange. as they gamed the shit out of that, it was a way to go. Like, yeah. fine, it's currently purple. Wear a mask. It is currently mauve. You don't. You wear a mask, but only 
uh, on your mouth, not your nose. Like, whatever. Shake my damn head. Yeah, I, I find that confusing and a little frustrating. Um, some really interesting reporting this week out of San Francisco where a bunch of bars got together and said, we're going we're gonna to require vaccine passports essentially for entry. And, yeah. you know, people seem to be okay with that. Like, yeah, and that's... I mean, I think it ultimately is making people safer. Now, I will say, because in, an, in a moment where spread is higher... Even if you have a room that's all vaccinated people, there's the possibility that one of the yeah. vaccine people is infected and can spread it. What I'm a little unclear on and I've not seen is is asymptomatic spread still an issue. Uh, even if you're vaccinated, I don't know. Um, I suspect they don't know. And yeah, and, and a lot of it comes down to with breakthrough infections, there are less of them. So you have less data to work with. So you don't really know as well what's yeah. going on. So basically, nobody knows anything where a mask is really the right yeah. advice until you know until this next little wave to, decides to go away. Yeah, and and I think the other interesting thing to come out that that will start to develop that will will get visibility into is people's reaction to things like mandating vaccines for government workers, yeah, for federal employees, um, and also the sort of retrograde approach where like. For instance, in Florida and Texas, where the governors are saying it's illegal for you to require a mask. Yes. Which, which is, is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Literally. And I've heard a lot of dumb things in the last thing. couple of years. Um, so, yeah. So uh, as much as I might rag on uh, Texas and Florida yeah. and some of those other places, uh, here in Chicago, we're having Lollapalooza right now. So if you would like to see what it looks like for a super spreader event to happen, you may live stream that right now, apparently on, on Hulu. Uh, I, I took a look at it just real briefly while EJ was getting a beer, and it is uh, disturbing. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be troubling. I Look, I watch TV shows where I, you know, I'm like watching Game of Thrones. And I'm like, hey, man, they're a little close. They need to. Right? Oh, yeah. No, all through the pandemic, whoa, I'm whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. watching a movie from like 1975. I'm like, you guys are too close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so any of that is going to look weird. But yes, I'm I'm going to set up stuff in the backyard. We're going to have Hulu Palooza there in my backyard. Anybody wants to come over, you're welcome to drop by. We're going to watch the Foo Fighters on Sunday for sure. Um, I know. I always think about it. The... The changing, again, talking about changing guidelines, because originally it was you have to be vaccinated. Then it was like, have to be vaccinated or a negative test within 24 hours. Then it was like, I don't know, 48 hours? You know what? Just at some point. Yeah. And, and let's let's be clear. Like, you know, even 24 hours, just because that test was negative, doesn't mean 24 hours later you aren't contagious. Yeah. And so... You know, I mean, granted, it's better than, like, people scanning your forehead with a thermometer thing, because that totally was meaningless. Um, I'm sure they're doing that, though. Probably. Um, ca catch all the kids high on uh, various drugs that are making them a little warmer than they should huh. be. Yada, yada. I didn't know that was a thing. I think so. I don't know. I didn't really do those drugs, but that's what I'm told. But I might be wrong. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing. It might all be okay. It might be that, you know, the event is mostly vaccinated. Like, I don't believe that everybody there is vaccinated. No. But are most of them vaccinated? Probably. 
So you know, maybe there's some ba- maybe there's some spread, but they're you know they're all younger. Maybe they're all fine. It just seems like absolutely perfectly bad timing. Yeah, I mean, in Florida a couple of weeks ago there was a music festival about seventy thousand people showed up. Yeah, and now we've got another huge spike. Twenty percent of the cases in the country are in Florida. Yeah, going to put a nut on that. So we're expecting what four hundred thousand people at Lollapalooza. And, and, you know, so some of those are from here, but some of them for other places. So they will then go back home and bring their gift that keeps on giving, the Delta variant. Better than the Spirit variant or the Northwest variant, I guess, but it's an airline joke. I got to lift things up, man. Yeah. It's tough times. (laughs) Tough. (laughs) You know, and I will say, like, you know, as, as somebody who I feel like we've, generally done the right things throughout this it's like it's so damn frustrating to be like we're right back to where we started in some ways like you know i feel like you know if i want to go hang out at a bar indoors right now i could probably do it safely if i like wore a mask between drinks like i'd feel like okay we're fine but yeah my problem is i don't have any time between drinks right (laughs) that's why we're outside people that's what you don't know is EJ is drinking a beer continuously throughout this podcast and still talking to you. Circle breathing. It's it's uh, it's his background in ventriloquism that's yeah. really working out nice. for him right now. <sighs> yeah. So a couple things about Chicago that aren't Lollapalooza. That aren't Lollapalooza. Yes. Um, for a number of years, and we've talked about it on the pod, there has been an effort to get some sort of civilian-based oversight of the police. Yes. Any kind. There were competing bills. They all had terrible names. There was GAPA. There was CPAC. Yeah, that's no good. I, uh, CPAC. Um, and after fits and starts. I mean, look, I appreciate that people have really fought to get a bill through or an ordinance through um, last week, 36 to 13, a civilian oversight panel ordinance for the police was approved, which yes. is, it really is groundbreaking. It is great. We should all applaud this. I, I will file it as a step in the right direction. Cause I think like the, the thing that I, well, okay. So, you know, there's something good going on here because of all the people who voted against it. Like you look at the list of people yeah. who vote against it, like there's a daily in there. Ed Burke, who apparently is still somehow a voting alderman at this point, uh, voted against it as well. Um, so it does establish this, a democratic oversight, and there's a, and a, we'll get into the details here in a sec. My concern is that the mayor has a lot of power to override what that yeah. committee can do, and you know, and I think it's like we're gonna have to kind of see how it actually works in practice. Uh, and, you know, if we set up a structure for democratic oversight, then, you know, that gives us a chance to come back and revise it later. Yeah. I, and I think, uh, you know, so there are some details here about, you know, sort of the smaller councils in the 22 police districts. What police district are you in? District and beat. Go. Huh. Didn't know that, huh? That's nope. a, It's a really important. 47th Ward. No. Yeah. See. So I asked that, and I didn't prep him for that because in our last pod, we talked about the school board bill that passed at the state level. Yeah. Like, we are establishing voting districts. And if people don't know what they are and what they mean, 
it's much harder for it to actually be real people voting for people oh, who are going to represent yeah. them. And, and so what's going to happen is you're going to walk into that voting booth, you know, when is it the next, next, uh, it'd be next year would be the next, next year? The year after, when is the next? 23. Yeah, okay. So then, but anyhow, the next municipal election, you're going to walk into that voting booth and on the ballot is going to be your choice for this committee, right? But you may not know, well, yeah, yes. Um, but it's so not there'll be like you know four boundaries. people on the ballot you've never heard of, right? And it's not going to follow ward boundaries, right? Right. So yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. Or precinct yeah. boundaries even. So yeah. you may have some precinct and voting sense. So, so I'm in 1722. Yeah, that's District 17, beat 22. Okay. Um, it's just a thing you learn. Right. In in Albany Park we have 1722, 1723. That's north of, both of those are north of Montrose. Yeah. Um, 17 goes um, north of Lawrence, all the way down to Irving, maybe a little south of Irving. Has it been gerrymandered? No. Okay. That's actually an interesting thing about it. But because everything else has, it's still going to be But now we've got elections around it. Maybe it'll get gerrymandered. Um, But what's interesting, like, if you think about this is, like, you know, who's going to be organizing? Where's the money going to be around those elections? And certainly the police themselves are going to be very heavily motivated to organize around this. Um, so we'll see We'll see what, how this yeah. plays out. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not, you know, one of the things that's important to call out about this is that some of those initial bills, those initial ideas were like, you know, really having a big influence over um, discipline, right? Like, you know, being able to check those boards that say, yeah, 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 everybody thinks this person was wrong, this police officer was in the wrong, should be fired, but, yeah, we're going to keep him. Like, that is out. That There's none of that in here. Yeah. Um, the Even the, the selection of a commissioner is, or a superintendent, rather, I'm sorry. I feel like we're in uh, Metropolis, but the, or Gotham. But the, <laughs> you know, you, it's, it's an advisory panel creates a selection of three people that the mayor can reject doesn't yes. even need any yeah of so let me go over like all the sort of like bullet points here so we got three member councils for each of the 22 city police districts so that means 66 total people will be democratically elected by you the voter in chicago and then from those districts they will then appoint uh, members to a seven-member citywide commission. And so that will be the one that does so that more citywide oversight. They will have responsibility for picking nominees for the superintendent if there's a vacancy. Um, they will uh, be in charge of passing uh, new rules to apply to the police. Now, here's the thing about all that. They have the power to do those things, but the mayor has the power to override literally yes. all of it. Yeah. Unless they come up to up with a veto-proof majority. So what I would say is it's not as much oversight as it is advisory, right? So this is a policy advisory board, really. Hey, look, and again, what I, I said at the beginning, I still mean very much. It is a great—you said it was a great step. It is novel. Like, there's nobody else in the country doing this. The, the aldermen who pushed for this or the alders who pushed for this— Good on you. Yeah, and it sets up a democratic framework, which means we can go down the road later and say, all right, 
here is the flaws that exist in this system. Here is what is not getting done. Here are the problems not getting solved. And then you can start saying, all right, well, fine. The mayor doesn't get to veto the superintendent. Or, yeah. or here is a reform in terms of how these people are getting elected that because of what we found. Um, this is the thing I think we have to recognize about democracy in general is it requires... It it's, goes back to entropy. It requires constant yeah. energy to keep it from turning into disorder. Yeah. And so this is our next step, and then we have to start thinking about what the step is after that. I think you're in District 20, by the way. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that vote for I mean, whomever I, it is I, I am that too. I'm voting for. Right. I, it also, though, I think is a good segue into, you know, the mayor herself, right? Because th there is this idea to get a little political nerdy here of, you know, concentration of power in the executive. And, you know, when you talk about it at the federal level, when you talk about the presidency and the power of the presidency, and I love these, I love these dichotomies, right? Almost every president tries to increase the power of the presidency while they're there, right? Like, well, duh. I mean, they like they're there. Right. They want to use their power. I want to center things. How can you get things done if you don't have and, power? Yeah, and the other party will kick and scream and be annoyed and whatever. But like, there's this attempt to like, I want more power here. I I want less oversight by, um, and generally speaking, most executives try to do that. Now, you no, know, well, I think we're gonna have to see about Biden because Biden feels a little less concerned about that, and it may be because he's ancient. But the <laughs> sorry, it's the it's why boomers it's, don't care wrong. about climate you're not change. You're not wrong. It's like, you know, but but it's ancient, like ancient isn't bad. I mean, yeah. we don't talk ancient Greeks. We don't say think that means they're bad Greeks. No. We just say they're ancient. No, some of the best Greeks. Right. Um, but the the same thing has been happening with Lori Lightfoot, right? So if you take what she campaigned on, which was you know a progressive agenda, which really should be more about diffusing the power of the executive. Yeah. And what people are mad about is her saying like, actually, I would like some of that action. Yeah. I would like to concentrate some of this power. I don't want to I mean, relinquish. And she did do some things that were like, I mean, like, you know, we had been, we had gone to a discussion with some of the aldermen about like, you know, their ability to pass legislation and getting like access to attorneys from the city to help them do that, things like that. So that sort of thing, she did do, but there's like, if you look at sort of the broad scope of her agenda, the, de the democratic elements of it are not, not so much Not as strong done. as people wanted them to be, yes. right? Yes, Um And hey, like, I, I'm not, I, that's, that is not as judgmental as it sounds. I would prefer more, you know, diffusion of some of that authority. Although at the same time, some of the people in the city council are idiots. But, that yeah. aside, um, it is it is interesting to note, and and it sort of leads to the question of: Is she going to run again? Um, she's got over seventy five million dollars in the bank, waiting for a run. She said like, "Oh, of course I'm going to run," but then kind of said like, "Well, I don't know. You never know." Um, people are already lining up to run against her. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out with that. I mean, it's like. I certainly, she is certainly not my first choice right now, but I also don't know what my second, third, and fourth, and fifth choices are. So, you know, it depends on who runs against her and how the power, you know, yeah. ultimately it's how do the votes break down? Would I take her over somebody named Daly? Yeah. 
I hope it doesn't come down to that. Yeah, and I think the other really interesting thing is that you had an outsider for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Is somebody, are people going to be as willing to choose another outsider? Yes. Because her main competition, you know, is going to be either somebody who's more inside or somebody who's way more outside. To be honest, if Preckwinkle ran again, I'd vote for her over the Precker. Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see voting for the Precker. And for that same reason that I just said, right? Like, you know, one of the reasons that I liked Lori was that she was saying the right things. And she was an outsider. Um, Hasn't worked out to uh, what we had hoped. But, you know, we'll see. That's what the beauty of democracy is, people. We can make a mistake and correct it. <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm going to say one last thing to tie the last couple things together. Her undermining of Allison Aubrey, the, you know, the person who has been at the center of the, you know, center of public health through the entire pandemic and like got put in a, she got put in a very tough situation where somebody's like, is Lollapalooza a good idea? And like the look at her face was no. (laughs) Right. Um, But the, what she said was, I'm sure that the organizers are doing something. And Lightfoot undercut her right after that, which Really bothered. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think about recent political figures who undercut their public health people. Can't think of a one. Yeah, no, can't think of one. Nope. Not a one. Never happens. And on that note, good luck, everybody. Good luck, everybody. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 you know, honestly, like coming over here, I was thinking about like our last podcast sketchbook it was that was like before, before things really went to hell last time. Like, I don't think we're getting there. Like, if we're going to have a spike, it looks like, well, we are. We don't yeah. know how high the spike is going. 3% positivity rate right now. Yes, yes. And that's like, in like last week, it was like 1.5, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, well, I think, I think this, we will keep going as long as we're outside. Yeah. And I will say, like, if we're going to have a, a spike in COVID, doing it, like, in the summer is when we want it to happen because we can actually be outside and. Right. Largely get on with life as best we can, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Mask up. Support your local brewery. Yes, absolutely. And have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night.